you're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Jesus, you had like the whole desert to drive in, right? Cinematic Leap. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week, we will watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. Rules are simple whoever chooses this pod's movie sits out selection. One of our remaining hosts then chooses an actor or crew member to take our cinematic leap with, leaving our final host to then choose the next movie. You can't choose an actor, crew member that has been chosen within the last six choices. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Groovy. And Glenn Greening. Hello. I couldn't think of a good intro. Hello. hello. You know. Hello. That's me. <laughs> Gentlemen, I mean, how are we? I've got a visual one with them using my mind, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh dear. All right. So, how are we, guys? Off to a good start. Yeah, really good. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. So, this week uh, we are doing The Men Who Stare at Goats. It's a 2009 satirical dark comedy starring George Clooney, Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges, and Kevin Spacey. It's directed by Grant Heslov. Had a budget of 24 million, made 69 million. Uh, was. G- wasn't that well received overall. Rotten Tomatoes had a rating of 5.8 out of 10. IMDb, 6.2 out of 10. And Metacritic have a weighted average of 54% acceptance. So, Glenn, I do believe you chose The Leaper, which was Robert Patrick. Yes, I did. Why'd you pick him? Uh, Because the others were all too obvious and... I thought all the other actors in um, the last movie that I could have chosen from would have gone to movies that I um, could guess, and I just wanted to be surprised, and I was very much surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought uh, picking a, Michael said he was prepared, he was ready to go, he, he had a few options depending where I went, and uh, then I went with the uncredited Robert Patrick, and which threw Michael a bit, which was fun. Uh, but then um, I thought from that he would go to True Life. I think it was no, all the, the last action hero. T- T2. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Yeah. Um, which is where he should have gone, or, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I was thinking one of those three or maybe even the faculty, which I wouldn't have minded, and I would have actually not been surprised if Michael went with the faculty. But then he surprised me with the... Yeah, with this, with this. Um, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so, so look out, so, uh, Scott, today when I when I choose an actor again, <laughs> mate. I've done my research. All right, I, I'll tell you that now, Michael. Show me you, his pages. Yeah, <laughs> Michael, you got you did get to choose the movie, and you did surprise us. Let's be honest; you had three absolute cracking choices. Uh, you didn't go with either of them. You went <laughs> no. on your own um, with this one. Why? Uh, look, it was, I think I said last pod, like it was something that I've been meaning to watch. Like I remember it fondly uh, from the time I watched it at the cinema. Um, 
And yeah, it was just, you know, like, you know, it was a good satire. And I guess like, you know, maybe Glenn had influenced us by saying, look, I want something light. And I've gone, <laughs> okay, well, you know, this is light. Um, and yeah, like, you know, just kind of, it all come together. Like it had been something I want to watch. It was light, you know, let's have a look at something a bit silly. Nice. So when Michael chose this, Glenn, what, what were your initial thoughts? I Look, I'll be honest, I might go before you. I hadn't seen this before and I'd never heard of it before. So um, because of that, I was a little doubtful and, and Glenn's reaction didn't fill me with a great deal of confidence, but I did try and go into it with as much positivity as I could. But I must admit I was very disappointed that we didn't get T2 or <laughs> Die Hard 2. But um, mm. I did try and stay positive. Glenn, you've seen this before, I think, from memory. Uh, um, what were your thoughts going back into it? Uh, when Michael picked this, I just, I do remember having seen it before, but I, again, as with most movies I've seen, completely forgotten it. But this one, with other films I forget, I do remember if I liked them or not, and I do not remember liking this movie. But I didn't remember the movie, so I was like, hopefully I'll be surprised. Maybe I was had a bad day when I watched it many what, 2009 when it came out. Um, so, you know, I was happy to watch it again and give it a go. Um, that was my initial reaction. But, yeah, I was surprised that that we got this. But, you know, with this cast, you know, you can't go wrong, surely. Well, that's probably one positive with it is that it does give us a lot of options to go with. Um, so after all that, Michael, I will throw it over to you for the synopsis. Excellent. Um, solid performance too. And I guess like, you know, we should listen to the trailer. Yes. Sorry, Michael. Throw to the trailer. My name is Bob Wilton. I'm a journalist. I've been investigating a story about a classified government program. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you were a, a psychic spy. A Jedi warrior. I'd heard that the U.S. government was training psychic soldiers and that Lynn Cassidy was the best of the best. I've been reactivated. I'm on a mission. I could come. Lynn's story was unbelievable, crazy, and completely true. You have to dream a new America that no longer has an exploitative view of everyone. You will be a psychic weapon. Feel it, yeah! You must create warrior monks who can pass through walls and see into the future. Congratulations, Scotty. Sorry it doesn't work out between you two. What are you doing? Cloud bursting. Keeps me in shape. And it's gone. Jeez, you had like the whole desert to drive in, Lynn. Please, please. Thank you for, uh, for picking us up. How are we gonna stop them? They've got guns. We're Jedi. We don't fight with guns, we fight with our minds. Holy... I went looking for a story, and my friend Lynn brought me an adventure. It's okay, we're Americans! We're here to help you! What happened? I think I just ran him over. Oh, crap! Lieutenant Colonel Django used funds from the project's black budget to procure prostitutes. That's a lie! And to get drugs for himself and his men. That... Well, the hooker thing is definitely a lie. Okay. So, 
Um, great. I like, you know, the, the actors in so great, like, you know, which is, you know, another reason I'm drawn to it. But um, The Men Who Stare at Goats was inspired by John Ronson's non-fiction bestseller of the same name. An eye-opening and often hilarious exploration of the government's attempts to harness paranormal abilities to combat its enemies. And I think, like, having watched it again and knowing this information, I think is actually what influences how the film is structured. Um, so we'd start the film with U.S. Army General Dean um, Hopgood, sweat beating off him in concentration, and then uh, proclaims to Boone, I'm going into the next office. And I'd forgotten this section. It's funny. Um, and so he gets up in an attempt to... Um, like, we don't know it at the stage, but, like, he starts running, and he's running at the wall in an attempt to phase through the wall, and he just smacks into it and then bounces off it. Um, you know, first joke. So, and it's a solid. It's a good one. You, you're not expecting it. Um, then we go, we meet with um, Ann Arbor Daily Telegram writer Bob Wilton, played by Ewan McGregor. He's tasked by his editor talk to a local guy, Gus Lacey. Um, which is probably a lame job given to him by his editor to get with his wife. Um, after a random event in um, his office, Bob's Wilton's um, wife leaves him for the editor. So it's like, you know, a big sort of life change moment. Um, so he decides to prove himself. And I guess like what what I've missed actually is um, there's a context clip to kind of really you know, give the audience a context of where we're at. Um, and after the general thing, we see the title sequence has clips of the um, Iraq war. So we're seeing like, you know, um, you know, that in sort of invasion, we see, um, you know, Saddam Hussein's, you know, statue being pulled over. And like, for me, that was a big sort of cue to remind us, like, oh yeah, I remember watching this stuff. And so, you know, context of when this is happening, which is, you know, post 9-11. Um, and I guess like, you know, uh, yeah, Bob goes, I'm going to go to Kuwait and prove myself. Um, and report on the Iraq war to really kind of, you know, try and show, like, mainly to show his wife that he's not, you know, you know, he's worth something. Um, any assert, you know, of the next big story is when he encounters Lynn Cassidy, uh, played by Academy Award winner George Clooney. Bob remembers that Lynn Cassidy was mentioned by Gus Lacey and asks if Lynn owns a dance studio. Uh, Lynn promptly walks away. Bob follows and Lynn reveals that he was part of a unit training psychic spies during uh, developing a parapsychological skills, including visibility, remote viewing and phasing. Uh, super soldiers in Lynn Cassidy's words. Bob wants to learn more about the project, uh, Project Jedi as it's called, which I was kind of quite <laughs> liked, and go with Lynn to Iraq. Um, he shows him the new Earth Army manual and so begins the next act. Guys, what do you think? <laughs> So, so the movie starts out, and as I said, I was, try, I was trying to be positive with it, and of course, then you do you hit a bloke running into a wall, and I'm like, oh, okay, what 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 is Michael chosen for? Is he? Um, <laughs> I, I did enjoy this this part of the movie. It was it was it did had some some good jokes, and obviously the big the biggest joke I think is the the whole piss take about you know this guy talking about Project Jedi and explaining to you and McGregor about what it being a Jedi is and all this sort of stuff, and of course. The joke is that you and McGregor recently played a Jedi in the new Star Wars Jedi uh, Master prequel. One Kenobi. Yeah. yeah, so so that made me. It did make me laugh. It, it it gave me a bit of a giggle, and I guess they played on that joke a fair bit during the movie. But hmm. yeah, good early doors. It, it was a good start. Glenn, you got anything? Yeah, early in the movie, I was uh, had an open mind, but it didn't take long before I was like. 
Mm, yes, that's right. I don't think this movie is very good. <laughs> um, and the Jedi thing is just like, yeah, it's funny once or twice, but I mean, to drag it on through the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, it was only 90 minutes, so it wasn't wasn't that bad to get through. But anyway, continue. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so um, during this, like this next act, we actually kind of get like a crossover between things, the traveling and the and the story. So we learn about uh, Bill Django, played by Jeff Bridges, through a montage. Love a montage. Um, and it starts off in 1972, Army Officer Bill Django uh, falls out of his helicopter in Vietnam, um, found his newly recruited men unable or unwilling to vi- fire on a Viet Cong soldier before being shot in the chest. Um, and they're all firing high, and that's kind of the thing. And, like, you know, was, there's a bit of... Um, and throughout the movie, Ewan McGregor is kind of narrating it. like, And we find it like it's basically he's writing the story. Like, you know, it's kind of after the events. He's kind of, you know, so he's telling us once he's, he's learned more. Um, and he shot in the chest, and he then underwent a fact-finding mission prompted by a vision of a female Viet Cong soldier um, who says to him, their gentleness is, is their strength. So we see a big sort of, you know... You know, and he's like, you know, losing blood and dying, and like, there's that kind of moment of, you know, that sort of seeing the light has the epiphany. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then Django decides, that, yeah, he's going on that fact finding mission, um, and immerses himself in the New Age movement, uh, so that when he returns to Fort Bragg after a number of years, um, I think it was your six years, they said, um, in 1980, he had long braided hair and a tattoo of the all-seeing eye summoning a, surmounting a pyramid on his chest. And, yeah, the montage kind of shows his journey through that. Um, so that's our first introduction to the new uh, army with that. Uh, Lynn takes Bob into a ruck. Uh, it seems Lynn has trouble with vehicles, as after some cloud bursting, Lynn crashed into a rock, the only rock in this wide desert. <laughs> where there's lots of space. I, I did. I did genuinely laugh at this part because it's sort of like how these guys are psychic and they can see things and all this sort of. And you, this backstory is about how you know Lin's this this mass this fantastic person Jedi, if you will, and then he smashes into the rock. It's just it genuinely <laughs> made me laugh out loud. I had to, it, uh, what is he said? He's um, bilocational. I think that's what he was saying. I was look, you know, I was basically saying I'm in two places at once. Um, so yeah, um, so Bob is you know a little bit upset, um, and then like you know after Lynn goes through this coin predicting thing a lot record of two hundred and fifty six um, of getting uh, flip coins right, um, they are saved uh, by a passing car and then kidnapped by criminals who is the same people in the car who want to sell him to insurgents. At this stage, so while we're traveling, Lynn reveals to Bob that he is on a mission. And also he, and that he also thinks Bob has some Jedi in him, which again, the hilarious because the, you know, you and McGregor players, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and Lynn reveals more of the stories of the New Earth Army and how he's recruited into the unit. Um, and, you know, and that was kind of nice where he's kind of passing this kind of, the computers and they're all turning off. It's like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, and as part of the recruitment, like he learns about free dancing, like, you know, and that was, I really liked that tiny bit where like, you know, it's like, you know, someone told you not to dance in the past and he's gone on. And we flash back to him being told by his father, you know, dancing is queer and like it breaks, that sort of breaks open a bit. Um, so they do psychic driving, where the drives blindfold, fire walking, and the pledge to mud earth to become a psychic weapon. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, 
that is when we meet antagonist Larry Hooper, uh, played by Kevin Spacey, who dislikes the other Jedi and starts to stabilize the unit. Lynn starts proving itself as the man who can find anything during this whole sequence too. So like, um, you know, predict, you know, doing the right sort of psychic tests and, um, and I think the big one is the, the remote viewing of the general who's been kidnapped and like, you know, goes, yes, this is where he is. And, you know, they get kudos for that. Um, after that sort of scene, we return to the handoff with the criminals where Lynn tries to exert his power through like, you know, de-escalating the situation. Um, and they kind of eventually escape with fellow hostage Mahmoud um, Daesh, um, but not without like, you know, gunfire and a bit of chaos and some interesting martial arts. Um, I love the cuts bits in here too. Like there was a, the cut goes to this um, Ben, oh, I forget his name. Um, anyway, a technique where this guy's a knife fighter and, you know, can hold <laughs> yeah, weights right. up with his testicles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he basically just jumps at people with knives, and it, yeah, yeah. it's a dangerous thing because you can't stab yourself. But other than that, it's okay, sort of thing. Hmm. Um, so they eventually escape with fellow hostage. Yeah, I've said the bit, and they rescued by private security detail led by Todd Nixon, uh, played by Rob- Robert Patrick, who is the you know the leaper. Um, and it's kind of I like this bit because it's com- kind of commentary on the how the military was operating in Iraq in that kind of space with a lot of private forces. Um, and so they're fleeing uh, when, you know, fleeing that space and they come into town and, and then that detail, you know, um, like that little team is kind of caught up, like as a, there's a motorcycle that backfires and they start actually fighting with another American team because they're fighting and they kind of, you know, start shooting each other. Uh, another American security detail and that's when Bob, Lynn and Mahmood um, escape um, and continue on Lynn's mission, prompted by Lynn's vision of Bill Django, which is what's revealed to... Um, uh, actually, that's revealed to Bobby in the desert. Um, we then go to the unit falling apart. So, like, a couple after little minor his mishaps, it's when uh, Larry Hooper experiments with LSD on a rookie, trying to mimic the CIA MK Ultra program. Um, it fails, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Uh, with a rookie, you know, firing on people in the base and killing himself. Um, and Larry smears Django in a tribunal, which led to him being discharged, and the general who's running the place resigning. Um, this is where... Um, ooh, this is where the New Earth Army is led to in a new direction. So I knew someone else takes over. Uh, and then we cut to Luna and Bob head further into the desert, having borrowed Mahmood's car. Um, after their car is pro- like they drive for a little bit and it's, it's, I, I love this moment too. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, this traveling music starts and it's probably disabled by an IED. Like in that shot, it's like bang and flips over. Um, <laughs> this, 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 this was the second time I genuinely laughed out loud and we'll come to it in my favorite scene. Cause this is actually my favorite scene. <laughs> um, so that leads Bob and Lynn to wander the desert. Uh, it's here that Lynn reveals that. Um, he's had a mission from Django. Um, Bob, Bob loses faith a bit. Goes, oh, are you crazy, man? Like, you know, um, you know, you, you're seeing voices. Um, and then Lynn reveals his story where it kind of comes to it. Like, you know, um, that, uh, Larry Hooper has kind of said, look, you know, this, you know, here's some ways we can use these psychic powers for offensive capabilities. 
and then um, we see I'll go back. Um, as then we we actually see that like you know uh, Lynn has been put in a room with a goat, um, and you know he's been saying like you know let's try stop its heart and Lynn's going well this is might be this is not okay but I'll maybe you know I want to see if I can and I'll just indulge him a little bit, and he does, and the the goat drops dead. Um, it's also pretty funny. Um, <laughs> hang on, I think this leads to Ewan McGregor. Or sorry, his character saying probably Bob. Bob. Arguably, the line of the movie goes, "It's like Silence of the Goats." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Which did again made me genuinely laugh. Um, I guess like this, this kind of this moment though is the the downfall for Lynn, um, because he believes this evil deed has cursed him, um, and the New Earth Army, um. <laughs> and as a passing gift, uh, parting gift, um, uh, Larry Hooper gives the Dymok uh, to um, Lynn's head, which is kind of funny because he and he believes he's dying, and he's it's also revealed he's got cancer at this stage, and that he is dying, or roughly here. Um, so they're stranded in the desert, and eventually Bob wakes up and with the sign of a goat passing by, Bob and Lynn are rescued at the camp by uh, Psych or Sick, if you think it's um. Uh, you know what Bob says, uh, which is a private research firm engaged in psychic and psychological experiments uh, on a herd of goats and some captured locals. Um, to Din's, Lynn's dismay, Larry Hooper runs the firm and employs Django, now a depressed alcoholic. Lynn loses the faith a little bit, you know, that's where he reveals he's dying, he's, gonna, he's not so keen. Uh, Bob is becoming a believer. And he seeks Django's help, uh, you know, saying, do you believe in redemption? Learns the way of the New Earth Army, and they spike the base's food and water with LSD. In fact, he learns it in one night, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, they, yeah, they spike the, the food and water with LSD and free the goats captured, you know, and the captured locals. Um, and everyone in the base is kind of just, you know, off their heads with LSD. People riding, you know, driving around tanks. Um Quite quite funny. Uh, all in an attempt to remove the curse, um, you know the the captured people, you know, run free. Bob's reflecting a bit, and then we see that Lynn and Django are in a helicopter, and you know, before you know, Lynn and um, Django fly off. Um, Lynn reveals to to Bob, "You were the mission, you know, tell our story. That's the mission now." Um, and they disappear into the sky like shamans. Uh, Bob then returns to work as a reporter and writes an article about his experience with Lynn. He's frustrated the story's only portion to be aired is how the captives were forced to listen to Barney and Friends theme song for 24 hours, um, which dilutes his story to a level of a joke, he believes. That said, Bob vows to continue trying to get the bigger story out. And then in a startling part of the whole thing, uh, he exercises his own psychic abilities and following some intense concentration, seemingly runs through a solid wall in his office. The end with more than a feeling. That's it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Michael. Well done. Um, so we'll move on to the cast and characters. Um, Glenn, I'll throw to you first. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about the cast. 
I've just got a question. I mean, obviously, they're a good cast. We all know that. But I was just wondering if you guys could, off the top of your head, tell me a worse George Clooney movie or a worse Ewan McGregor movie or a worse Jeff Bridges movie than this. Uh, well, was, wasn't George Clooney in Batman and Robin, which is pretty mm. much arguably the most reviled Batman movie of all time? But still better than this. Whoa. No. But no, By that's far. a fair that's a fair point. Jeff Bridges probably Yeah. No, you can't. You, you can't. No. And no. You, mean, you, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't given us time, Glenn. I could probably no. find one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Siriana I wasn't a big fan of. I actually uh, haven't seen that one yet. Sol- Solaris. Solaris was a terrible film. Um I want, yeah, okay, all right. But, you know, you had to look it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You surprised me. I, um, did, I did say off the top of your head, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my opinion. Of, I mean, yeah, good actors, bad movie is my is my summary. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And uh, needed, more fema- needed more females as well. Wow, one, one, literally one. It was, mm, it was a very... Uh, testosterone-filled movie, you are correct. Well, there were mm. topless women during the uh, the six-year hiatus for um, <laughs> Django, so you mm. can't... They were there. Start of the montage, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Glenn's right, and it's not as actually, like, you know, um, you know, yeah, it's supporting characters, like, you know, we're all... It's, they're all men. There's just mm. one wife. I don't think she even has a line. Mm. No, I think she, yeah, she pretty much says, I think, well, I'm leaving you and something I like think, that. Anyway. I think Bob actually says that his voiceover. wife has told him that she's, yeah, it's voiceover. Yeah. Probably true, yeah. actually. Mm. Um, I, I actually didn't mind Ewan McGregor in this. I, um, I've i seen a few of his movies. I reckon he's an interesting actor. I, some of his movies I really liked, others I haven't. Um, but I thought he was pretty good in this. Um, he has a... He has a, a and really nice sense of humour throughout this movie. He 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 does deliver um, his comedic timing. I thought it was quite good, um, and I thought he played quite well off Clooney. Which, speaking of Clooney, I think this is the sort of role that he's perfect in. Not necessarily this movie, but um, yeah. Look, Glenn says, "Can you name a worse George Clooney movie?" Probably, probably other than other than Batman and. Things like that. I think when George Clooney is put in as the main man and he's got to carry the movie, he does struggle at times. However, you put him into a decent ensemble cast and he's awesome. I think he plays off people really well. And I think him and Brad Pitt are very similar in that sense is that they can be the main man, but I think they actually work better in an ensemble cast where they're able to work off other actors. Um, and I think George Clooney is perfect for these sorts of roles. Um Jeff Bridges, this was really very similar to his big Lebowski role. Um, and I think Kevin Spacey's perfect in the role that he had. He's the perfect sort of shit heel, the person that just plays that really, that bad guy, that arsehole that you really, really want to just punch in the face. And he does that well. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I disagree with Glenn here. Like, I think they're, you know, they're, they're good. They're like, you know, they're not, I mean, is there standard performances? Are they brilliant? No. Um, but, you know, they embody their characters. Like, you know, that's what you want from actors doing that stuff. Like, you know, I think they've picked the right people for the right roles. 
So, and it's I, like, you know, I, I think... Yeah, nothing against the actors. Um, and, yeah, they did, like, with what they had as the movie I didn't like. It, it's it's not the actors in this oh, movie. It's, it's just, I mean, they did... I don't know what they could have done more um, to try and save this rubbish, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> I feel we'll, like we'll I'm get, coming we'll across get, as the grumpy, the grumpy one of us three, but are. I'm really not. You are. I'm, I'm not. It's just the you movies are, are terrible. Really are. You're just an angry man, Glenn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so angry. So, so with that, we'll go to our favourite scenes. Actually, Michael, we didn't really. Oh, we didn't just sort of go through to you with the cast characters. Um, get a quick brief. Yeah, like I think like um, we George Clooney has done some better comic films. Um, and like you know, has that capacity, but I think like you know, he does does alright with this. Um, and it's interesting to see you and McGregor without a British accent. I think like you know, because he's obviously he's, he's Scottish and he usually does British, um, but obviously like you know, emulated American in here. Um, but he's and like he, he fills that perfect everyman role, I guess. You know, you're not really you're not focused on Bob so much as you know, like he's there and he's kind of driving and you hear his voice. And he does a great job of that, but you you know you it, it does you know push on to like George like you know which is what you want his character to do and and Jeff Bridges is always kind of funny to watch like you know he's good to see um yeah and I think actual uh, the guy that plays um the general uh, Stephen Lang I think like his his general is quite funny too like there are moments there um, Robert Patrick is playing to form. You know, he plays that military kind of authoritative cut. Just, it's like his bread and butter. So it's kind of, you know, it's on the money. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, Kevin Spacey, the evil guy. Mm. Does it beautifully. Mm. Well, while you're speaking, Michael, favourite scene? Um, ooh, it is... I like. I really like, the ending is quite nice. Like you know where they kind of they go through that redemption arc. I kind of enjoyed that. Um, the the predator. That's kind of like you know where um, uh, Lean is showing. You know, here's this innocuous bit of plastic that I bought, and like you know, <laughs> and here's a hundred ways to hurt you. Um, that's good. Um, I think like you know the you know something about the. Um, I think there's some subtle things in there that you don't really notice about, like, you know, the um, the psychic stuff. They, like, you know, and you review kind of parts and you go, um, there's a bit where I think it's Norm is the rookie and he's gone on the shooting spree. Um, and there's this big rotation around him as, like, you know, um, Django's trying to get through to him and he's there. It's like, ooh, is that invisibility? So it's those little ones that are nice. Um yeah, but I, I guess like you know that that goat one was pretty funny too. So I oh know there's a lot there's a lot of favourites for me. Gwen, uh, my favourite part was um, basically anything with Jeff Bridges. You know, you could put him in um, the assassination of Jesse James, and it and you know it would just be watchable. You know, um, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> he, he's just I think whatever he's in, just I don't know. I can't fault him. He's just a joy to watch for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Ewan McGregor as well. I love George Clooney a lot in other films, but in just Jeff Bridges, I don't know, just even though I wasn't enjoying the film, whenever he was on screen, I was just happy. I was actually enjoying it. So for me, just all of his scenes, 
maybe not the later ones uh, later on in the film that he was in, but just most of his scenes. Really enjoyed them. Yeah. Yep. Um, we sort of touched on it before, but I think it, there was a couple of moments where I did genuinely laugh out loud. The the one where he's talking about how he's a psychic and he can see things and all that, and then he hits the rock. I I did genuinely laugh out loud. Um, but probably my favourite scene is where they they come to an intersection. And he goes, well, which way do we go? And he goes, well, under the, you know, with the the Earth the Earth Army and all that sort of stuff, I've got the power of, I think it's the power of intuition and I just know, I just know which way to go. And, and he goes, well, which way are we going? Which way are we going? And he goes, oh, we're going right. And he drives and they drive, they drive not even 100 metres and they hit an IUD and the whole car explodes. Like it just, and it, again, it's just like, <laughs> just genuinely made me laugh out loud. Like I know which way to go. This is the best way to go and bang, car blows up. Like it's just... It was little things like that that I thought they did really well, um, which I guess I'll run into the, our next sort of part that we talk about, which was the other enjoyable aspects. Um, I guess it's interesting on that, though, because technically you picked the right way. Like, that was the way to the base. Well, true, but wouldn't he have known that he was going to blow up if he was a psychic? Well, I mean, yes, there's that. It's by location. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the other aspects is uh, I know me and Glenn are on a, um, a a movie app that we sort of look at movies and, and who's in it and all that sort of stuff and they do reviews. And it was funny, I actually wrote in my notes and then after the movie I, I sort of got onto this app and was having a look at the movie and what other people had said. And one of the things that they said was that it's it feels like a Coen Brothers movie um, because I think the writing is really clever. Um, I think it's a well-written movie. It's got some really nice comedic moments throughout the movie. It's well um, and it's well crafted and it's well acted. As I said, I thought you and McGregor and Clooney worked off each other really nicely with that. Um, I thought it was shot well um, overall, and I really enjoyed the score. Like there was just some really good music in it the whole way through. So. They're probably the other enjoyable aspects that I had of the movie. Glenn? Oh, I don't... Were there, I mean, I already talked about what I enjoyed. So, I mean, all those aspects. I did like a bit of that um, section where um, they got kidnapped, I think, and then there was that, they escaped with that other guy and that sort of um, sequence was, you know, kept me engaged. But... Uh, um, most of the movie, I just wasn't. Yeah, you, you said the Coen Brothers thing, but it was like, um, it was like they were trying, but they didn't quite get there. It was Coen Brothers me. light. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't quite to that level, but yeah, it had that style about it. Michael, other parts of the movie that you enjoyed? Um, I did like the. I mean, it's. I think it's an element of the writing. In like, you know, you take this and um. Uh, the author, what was his name? Um, John Ronson is actually the writer of the film. And he's taken the, the stories, I think, throughout that happens in his book. I'm not 100% sure. And then he's kind of plotted them to a narrative. That's why it kind of goes between the two. I like that I like that kind of part of the film where we kind of we explore the, the um, that New Earth Army through that kind of like, you know, that sort of part of like um, Bob Milton's writing and how it takes us back and forth between, you know, where we are and where, like, you know, where it's been. Um, and we get that slow, unreal, you know, uh, you know, reveal of what's happened and, you know, that's brought us to this point. 
So, and that's a, like a concept of like that simultaneous kind of, um, well, not simultaneous, but like, you know, that kind of cross-cutting on action, like, you know, um, you know, between the scenes that kind of is nice. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think some of the, like, there's not terribly lots of gags, but I think there's some very good visual gags that occur. Um, you know, you were talking about the, uh, that, you know, they're driving away, Glenn, um, that scene. And, you know, the part of the joke there is they, they're trying to say, hey, we're, we're here to help you to uh, Mahmood. Um, and they unintentionally run him over. Um, you know, they you know, <laughs> sort of like clip him with the car and he falls off. Um, they pick him up and like, you know, and it, it backs down to another joke. Um, you know, they pick him up and they drag him to the, the ute to put him in there. And that's when um, the, uh, like... Todd Nixon's group, like, you know, the um, with the two white um, SUVs kind of pull off and say, you know, put up your hands and they, you know, throw up their hands and they drop the body, you know, classic sort of humour. So there's a lot of interesting visual humour that happens with it as well. So I always like that when that happens. Um, yeah, the, I think, I think it is shot well. And, and I was saying to my students the other day, like, you know, really good movies like you know well you know things technically done well like is the stuff that you don't notice you know good editing you don't notice good cinematography you don't notice um and you know i'm not really, i wasn't really looking for those like you know, well i mean you know you don't see like you know oh that's a bad shot like you kind of go it just kind of that's how it flows and yeah so yeah, it's uh that's it and of course you know some some rock tracks which were nice hmm. um questions queries tidbits i've got one Yep. There's a moment towards the climax. And we've seen Lynn Cassidy earlier in the film uh, walk past computers and they all shut down. And, like, you know, they go through that thing. And then he's in, like, he's in psych. Um, Larry Hooper's kind of, um, you know, sort of headquarters. And they don't. And, like, and I guess, like, you know, you could probably explain it, like, you know, well, he's got his powers under control. But, you know, wouldn't it have been nice... To actually see him kind of start interfering with that because of his, you know, he's unsettled, you know, and like people mm. just kind of mucking around with their computers. I think that would have been a, like a nice touch. Um, yeah. Yep. Glenn, did you have anything? No, not nothing specific. Um, no, not really. Yep. I must admit, I didn't have a great deal um, of questions on it. Trivia, Michael. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of interesting trivia. Um, so, obviously, yeah, um, dark comedy war film. Um, but I guess the, the interesting thing is that the characters are based on real people. Um, so, Django is based on, I believe, James B. Channon. Um, and you know he served in the army and like you know did that two years where he got into the new age movement um and brought forward that concept of warrior monks um utilizing the paranormal ability so it's all it actually is real stuff um you know the general was based on you know albert stubblebine who truly actually believed and like this is he's not he's a smart guy he has a master's in chemical engineering and he's a general um and believes you can actually pass through walls. Like, you know, he really actually buys into that sort of stuff. Um, and it does, he actually kind of does kind of get uh, rubbed out of the army at some point. Um, the New Earth, but you know, um, 
New Earth Army is based on the First Earth Battalion, so a real again a real group within that sort of um, uh, like you know the army. Um, yeah, and then like you know Bob Milton is based on uh, on John Ronson, who is the guy that actually interviewed some of these people. Um, what else we see? Uh, exterior shots of Fort Bragg uh, were filmed at the New Mexico Military Institute of Roswell. Um, when George Clooney's character mentions the poem about the sailor and seagull, he's talking about the poem The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Um, and it's actually, a, which is obviously an albatross. <laughs> so kind of, you know, playing with those funny references there. I think there's even a mention of, like, you know, a boy on, you know, in a faraway um, planet who, you know, goes on his journey. Like, you know, another Star Wars reference by Ewan McGregor, I think. Um, of course, we've talked about uh, Ewan McGregor being a Jedi. Um, uh, Bill Django is named for bounty hunter Django Fett from Star Wars prequels and other Jedi reference. Um, the film include the film cast includes three Oscar winners: George Clooney, Jeff Bridges, and Kevin Spacey. Um, that's really kind of the oh, actually the the advertising. I think the the actual poster is a spoof of a frequently used style for movie posters. Um, instead of trying to communicate anything about the plot or content of the film, it contains multiple face, stacked faces of the stars. So you've got, um, you know, Jeff Bridges, uh, Ewan McGregor, um, George Clooney, Kevin Spacey, and then a goat. <laughs> um, and it kind of says that, oh, like on the, on the billing line, it says George Clooney, Jeff Bridges, Ewan McGregor, Kevin Spacey, and goat. Um, yeah, and it is that kind of, you know, style of like, you know, faces looking into the, um, the distance. Um, yeah, that's it. Beautiful. All right. So we now go to our final thoughts and our rating. Um, I'll go first on this one. Um, overall, I thought it was an enjoyable movie. Um, as I said, I thought it was well written. It had some good comedic moments. It had a really good cast, great score. I thought the ending was a bit odd and probably at 94 minutes, I I, I like a movie that sort of that doesn't necessarily – I hate a movie that goes too far over two hours, which is odd because a lot of my favourite movies actually do go mm-hmm. over two hours, which is strange. They need to but do it well. But it. yeah, if you if you're gonna go that length of time, you've got to do it well. Um, this is this is 94 minutes, and we probably they probably could have gone a little bit longer and fixed up the ending a bit. I just thought it it finished rather abrupt abruptly. Um, so on that thought, overall enjoyable movie, kept me entertained for for 94 minutes. Had some good comedic moments, um, but it's an average movie. So I'm gonna go a five. Glenn, this should be interesting. All right. <laughs> so, I Mr. don't know. I, I was, it was nice and short, which is good because I wasn't enjoying it. Um, just watching it, I was just the whole time thinking, what is the point of this? Where is it going? And it didn't really go anywhere, really, for me. It just, I just didn't really see the point of this whole movie. And I was just thinking during it, I was like, how is this a story about a guy whose wife left him? Like, he, 
at the start, he's like, this all starts because when my wife left. And I'm like, okay. But then it's all not even about that at all. Nothing. She doesn't even get a mention again, really. I mean, a brief one. But anyway, I just, for me to sum it up, um, someone wrote, a, I don't know, I read a review somewhere and I, I thought I agreed with it exactly. It was trying too hard to be unique and weird instead of being actually clever and funny, um, which I, that's exactly what I thought. So my score for this, three out of 10. Wow. It's about the same as adaptation, huh? No, that's a 10. That's, a ten. <laughs> that's, that's not a 10. It's Michael? Not a ten. Um, look, you know, I, I guess like, you know, looking back, there is like, you know, some, some funny and um, quirky and unique sort of parts of the story. Um, I I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess like, you know, I think, oh, well, it wasn't brilliant. And I guess the counterpoint you're, Glenn, like, you know, that sort of, you know, the wife part is a, it's a catalyst to the journey. It's not necessarily part of the journey. It's just kind of one of those things to kind of, that, you know, you know, allows him to sever attachments. Um, I think it is a, a patchwork of, of different little snippets, like the, you know, tied together with a, some sort of like, you know, trying to be tied together with a narrative. Um, and that may lose part of the, cause it has that nonlinear aspect to it. Um, it might lose part of its easy storytelling. Um, I think some of the little stories in there are, you know, are pretty funny. Um, but yeah, but I guess it's an enjoyable watch that doesn't really kind of uh, push you too hard and yeah, just seeks to entertain you for 94 minutes. Hmm. So I'll go with a six. Okay, so assuming that my maths is right, we've got a three, a five, and a six. That gives us a total of 14 for the men who stare at goats, which puts it in the, what are we, up to nine movies. So he puts it into the number eight position. It was better than Jesse James, which I have a feeling most of our movies are going to be better than Jesse James, uh, which was a nine, and he's not quite as good as We Are Marshall, which was a 17 and a half. Uh, our top rated, our top three rated movies are still The Martian at 26 and a half, Seven, 22 and a half, and Million Dollar Baby, 21. Uh, Glenn, socials? Where yes. are we? Where, where can people oh, who find knows? us? Who knows where we are? Um, TikTok? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be scary. <laughs> uh, where are we on uh, Facebook? Cinematic Leap, uh, one word. I think we'll find us, um, or maybe two words even, and Twitter, and we'll see what else we can put together. Yeah, we're all over 40. Let's not do TikTok. Nothing good <laughs> comes from three, four-year-old men doing TikTok, I don't think. <laughs> and, well, you know what that time is. Michael, it's time for our... Cinematic loop. Nice. It's going to jazz that up a bit. Yeah, we'll work on that. I'm sure done. we can do it. We can do it in post production, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Glenn, I do believe that you, because we've we've now done nine movies, so we've all had a crack three at three times with the current order. We are changing it up a little bit, so you are now selecting for me on this occasion, and I will get to choose the movie. So, Glenn, who are we leaping with? Yeah, just for the, oh, just for your record, no one else. Now this is a podcast, so it is a it is a. Yeah, obviously, you can only listen to this, so you can't see the piece of paper that I'm holding up. But I've done research, Glenn. I have done research. 
today. <laughs> so I am ready. I am ready well, for you. I've, I've just been in the last few movies and it's been in my mind for even since six, seven movies ago, I've just been thinking we really need to leap with a female. And I had a look at this and I was like, well, the only one in the cast list that I could see was the wife and there was just nothing good, nothing good there. So I went to the crew and, you know, once you get past the producers, which aren't creative, really, they're just producers, really. They just organize everything. Um, You don't, you don't get there till an editor, which I don't know if it's on your list, Scott. You'd be surprised. Um, The editor. The editor, who it was great, but I'm actually not going to go with that. I'll pick an actor. Um, <laughs> Ever. It's like, oh, my God, where's he going with this? Do you, do you know that's annoying? Because Tatiana S. Regal, who was the editor, did, actually, some good, did a couple did some of things stuff. that I would have chosen. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to go with... Um, who would you no, like no, me to Glenn, choose, this Scott? is your choice. I... There's, I've, there's a lot of, if you go with the main actors, there's a lot of very good movies that we could go. And even if you go with some of the others, we can actually get to Scream in two, but granted that does mean we have to go through <laughs> via Scooby-Doo Camp Scare, which I've seen it, I love it. <laughs> Me and my kids, one of our favourite movies. So if you want to go down there, we can get to Matthew Lillard, which gets us to Scream, but up to you. Wow, how do you? Well, well, the actor I'm choosing, Scott, can actually get us to Steve Guttenberg, but... I don't think it's going to work out, but um, I'm going to choose Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Wow. He's probably yep. the one I've got the least with. Now, he does have... Interesting. He does have a couple of movies that I've, as I said, I've done my, I've done my research. Uh, I will have a quick look again. Um, the two that I looked at <laughs> first were the Lego movie, which I know, Glenn, you're not an over, you're not a huge fan of it. Um Mm. Or Where the Millers, which I did enjoy. So yes, let's have a look. What else has Nick Offerman done? He's done. He's done a great movie that um, I love, but I don't know if I'm allowed to influence you. Which movie was that, Glenn? He did The Founder, which I... Hearts Beat Loud. Hearts Beat Loud, great movie. Doesn't doesn't sing to me straight away. 21 Jump Street, I enjoyed. The Founder, I enjoyed. Um, City of Angels was an absolute terrible movie. Murder by Numbers, Sandra Bullock. That wasn't actually a bad movie. I actually somehow, for some reason, watched that not that long ago. Um, but I think we're going to go Where the Millers. If you want... Hearts beat loud. Good um, choice. You so want you something saying, light? It's You want something light? That is as light as it comes. It's it's an enjoyable comedy, and I think we'll enjoy watch it, rewatching it for those who have seen it. I don't know if Michael, you've seen it, but it's a, it's a it's a good watch. Looking forward to rewatching it. Where the Millers, and it probably opens up a few different options for us down the track. We're done. I guess that's the end. <laughs> that's it. Till next time. <laughs> Actually, I probably should have said that, shouldn't I? Hmm. Till next time. Till next time. That's Cinematic Leap. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.